Hey listeners, welcome to another episode on Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Raza, with Grace Oham. The Banks versus Kandwanada case may be on the surface be about an aggrieved wealthy businessman taking legal action against a journalist investigating malfeasance on a national and international level. But by peeling away the outer layers, a more innocuous and sinister story unfolds. What made this case unusual was that he decided to take legal action against her personally as opposed to the media outlets she worked for. The suspected collusion between Aaron Banks, his friends, colleagues and associates combined with their anti-EU forces in Russia and elsewhere, their influence on the 2016 UK-EU referendum under the noses of the British government-led Carol Cadwallada to believe there had been undisclosed activity taking place to the detriment of the UK that needed to be revealed in the public interest. In episode 12 of the Rising Above Shadows of Abuse podcast titled Legal Slapdown is Hot Potatoes that was broadcast on the 20th of January, we covered the legal action brought by businessman and Brexit financier Aaron Banks against investigative journalist Carol Cadwallada who he was suing for libel. The case was brought by Banks due to words spoken by Cadwallada in a TED Talk in 2019. This is what she said. And I am not even going to get into the lies that Aaron Banks has told about his covert relationship with the Russian government. Cadwallada's defense to Banks' allegation was that she was acting in the public interest. In the UK, People with power, money and influence have been able to take investigative journalists and indeed anyone they want to sue to court. If the plaintiff wins, he or she can claim damages and legal fees against the defendant that can be crippling and cause huge harm for them personally. For Cadwallada, it could have been a long and expensive case to defend and she would have been financially and professionally ruined if she lost. Of significance was the fact that the defamation claims were brought against Cadwallada in her personal capacity and not the publisher of her allegations against Banks. It appears that it was Banks' intention to take legal action against Cadwallada as an individual, as part of a calculated aim to discourage others from engaging in the scrutiny of wealthy and powerful individuals. It can be speculated that Banks chose to sue Cadwallada because she was a woman. Would he have taken the same course of action against a male investigative journalist? In order to fight the case and defend herself, Cadwallada had no choice but to resort to crowdfunding in order to pay her legal costs and 28,887 individuals contributed, people who felt that she was on the right side of history and that a stand had to be made. Journalists should not be targeted and subjected to legal action in pursuit of open and honest reporting. 
They, and in particular, investigative reporters and many others in all walks of life, have long argued that acting in the public interest should be a legal defense incorporated into law in order to defend society and its citizens. Legislation needs to be passed to outlaw legal practices that can obstruct reporting in public interest. Cadwallader's defense was originally based on what is known as a strategic lawsuit against public participation or SLAP, where legal action is taken against the journalists or whistleblowers to silence them. However, the judge in this particular libel trial said it wasn't actually fair or apt to describe this as such a case. Hence, a defense of being in the public interest was used. Banks brought the case because he felt that the contents of the TED talk given by Cadwallader inferred that he had been in receipt of money originating in Russia and used to fund the leave. EU campaign powers the UK referendum in 2016, which he funded with £8 million donation. Cadwallader had argued she did not intend to imply that banks had received Russian money, nor that he lied about receiving Russian money only about the extent of his contacts with Russia. The public interest argument was used because in November 2018, the Electoral Commission had published a report following its investigation into irregularities, stating that it had reasonable ground that banks was not the true source of loans made to better for the country leave EU campaign. Cadwallader's docked perseverance in exposing vast levels of external influence in domestic politics under the noses of a guileless political establishment caused immense irritation to those involved in the various organizations campaigning to leave the EU. In the High Court judgment delivered by the Honorable Mrs. Justice Stern on 13th of June, the judge found that although some of the comments made in the TED Talk and on Twitter were damaging to banks, Cadwallader had acted in the public interest when she made this statement because banks was being investigated by the UK's National Crime Agency and Electoral Commission at the time. Mrs. Justice Stern also stated that in addition to establishing a public interest defense, the TED Talk and a subsequent tweet by Cadwallader did not cause serious harms to Banks' reputation. In the judgment, she also stated that on numerous occasions during the email exchange between Cadwallader, Aaron Banks and Andy Wigmore, Banks' Director of Communications, both ignored the many questions politely submitted by Cadwallader. They were dismissive to the point of obfuscation with comments such as no substantive response, cannot recall, or some cryptic reply, criticizing her in an offhand and derogatory manner. Their inference was to hope that the pesky women would just shut up and go away so that they can get on with some serious business. The judge described Ms. Cadwallader's receipt of leaked emails, which showed for the first time that Mr. Banks had had a number of other meetings with officials at the Russian embassy. It had become clear that he had kept this secret, had not been honest about the number of meetings he had actually had with various people close to the Russian government, and that he had been offered preferential deals in Russian gold and diamond interests. 
The judge further decided that Ms. Cadwallader had reasonable grounds for believing a number of other matters that Banks was involved in. On more than one occasion, Mr. Banks told untruths about the secret relationship he had with the Russian government in relation to acceptance of foreign funding of electoral campaigns in the breach of the law on such funding. That Mr. Banks had lied about his meeting with the Russians at the very least, and contrary to what he had said, Mr. Banks' involvement with the Russians extended beyond a single lunch to the meeting with the Russian ambassador, and Mr. Povarenkin, and to communications with Mr. Povarenkin and Mr. Udot over a period of months regarding the Russian gold consolidation play. That at least some of the meetings Bank had with the Russians were covert. Cadwallader's investigations revealed all the things she knew about banks, his money, the meetings with Russian officials, and the unanswered questions over the funding of Brexit. Significantly, the judge stated that it was absolutely reasonable for her to believe that Mr. Banks had told lies about his covert relationship with the Russian government and that there were grounds to investigate whether that relationship involved illegal funding of Brexit. There is no doubt in the judge's mind that it was reasonable for Cadwallader to believe that it was true at the time she gave the TED talk. It was therefore reasonable to believe that it was in the public interest to publish her research. The judgment is clear on this issue and it is difficult to see how any appeal could succeed in relation to the public interest defense. The only legal question relates to the issues of serious harm to banks' reputation and interest following June 2020, particularly given the lack of any evidence to support this. Despite having to drop her truth defense along the way, the judge decided that objectively, Godwalada's reporting was reasonable. And what of banks' reaction to the verdict? Following the judgment, he tweeted, the judge felt sorry for Carol, is how I would sum it up. Defamatory, but no serious harm. I suppose falsely accusing someone of taking Russian money for Brexit doesn't cut the ice. It's likely that we appeal. Some observers, including Banks, might allege that Cadwallader was factually incorrect in our session and how people listening to or reading the results of our investigations interpret them. But defending libel is not always about the defendant showing whether or not they were right or wrong. When it comes to Russia, there are many players in the UK involved and has been for decades. Property is bought and money is laundered by oligarchs close to the Putin regime which in turn furnishes big business for the financial sector, estate agents and an entire strata of supply chains, mostly in and around London and the home counties. The entire country is awash with Russian money, much of it looted from the ordinary people of that country, who have seen little or no benefit in the three decades since the fall of communism. Since the invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, and the ostracization of the country, Russian citizens have been brainwashed by a tightly controlled media operation obsessed with portraying the country as the victim of a Western global conspiracy. Long before Putin's Russia annexed Crimea, invaded the Donbass region of Ukraine 
invaded Georgia and instigated a dirty little war in Chechnya. Many in the UK made clear their intentions that they were willing to do business with the barbarism. For the main part, the government sat back and watched as these kleptocrats were a source of income for the economy. Banks' involvement with Russia, thanks to his court case against Katwalada, is now revealed and there is undoubtedly more revelations to come. He has posted a number of pro-Russian tweets, notoriously claiming that Ukraine is to Russia as the Isle of Wight to the UK. Britain has a big problem when it comes to rich Russians. Banks and Wigmore are not alone. Both Nigel Farage and George Galloway, to name but two, have been regulars on the now deleted RT or more accurately Russian today. Farage colluded with and has been a big defender of Putin as can still be seen on his and their YouTube channel. A gurning Farage had even been knighted by a young girl on a Russia Today program several years ago and may even still be a regular visitor to the Russian embassy in London as he was to Julian Assange at the Ecuadorian embassy until he was evicted and moved to Burmash prison where he still waits extradition. This follows a series of comments from Mrs. Justice Stern. Tweets from Count Wallader and emails exchanged between her and Aaron Banks that were contained in the High Court judgment. Nigel Farage's secret funder Aaron Banks has sent me a pre-action letter this morning. He sued me over this TED talk. If you haven't watched it, please do. I say he lied about his contact with the Russian government because he did. On more than one occasion, Mr. Banks told untruths about a secret relationship he had with the Russian government in relation to acceptance of foreign funding of electoral campaign in breach of the law on such funding. There were aspects of Mr. Banks' evidence that came across as evasive and lacking in candor. For example, his attempt to claim that the Russian gold sector consolidation seven-page presentation was prepared by Andrew Umbers rather than a document provided to him by Simon Povarenki was not credible, nor was his denial that the leaking of the text of emails to the press in early June 2018 had forced him to give a more detailed account of his relationship with the Russian embassy credible. Very serious dishonesty on the part of the claimant by stating that he had lied on more than one occasion about the secret relationship he had with Russia a foreign power that is adverse to the United Kingdom in certain fundamental aspects. In certain fundamental respects for illegal and improper purposes, namely the acceptance of foreign funding of electoral campaigns in breach of the law on such funding. Mr. Banks made a very significant contribution in terms of time and money towards the Leave campaign. He was a figurehead of the Leave EU campaign appearing, for example, on the platform at the press launch of the campaign. In oral evidence, Mr. Banks could not recall how much he had donated towards the Leave campaign, but there is no dispute that he contributed in the region of 8 to 9 million pounds, the majority of which was provided to Leave EU, with the remainder being provided to Grassroots Out Limited and several other Leave campaigns.
As Justice Stain said, it was manifest that Ms. Kadwalada found the litigation process and being subjected to cross-examination over the course of three days very stressful indeed. Although Ms. Kadwalada held herself together, she was evidently anxious throughout and became distressed and agitated on a number of occasions, particularly later on in her evidence. My assessment is that at the outset of her evidence, Ms. Cadwallada was anxious to answer questions fully and honestly, and she sought to do so to the best of her ability. She has made a concerted effort to recollect what she had known, though, and believed when she wrote a TED Talk, there were many occasions when she asked for questions to be repeated. She was not playing for time, but making a genuine effort to understand the question and due to the stress that she was under, finding it difficult at times to focus on what she was being asked. But from a personal perspective, the case has taken its toll on Cadwallada over a period of several years and had dominated her life and installed her investigative journalism. She had stated how disappointed she was in seeing and reporting of an important trial of major significance to all journalists barely covered in the media. Perhaps the most unsavory aspects to this case in particular and to the wider society in general, misogyny. Cardwallada had been at the receiving end of a tirade of online abuse ever since she started the investigation into Cambridge Analytical and Facebook roles in manipulation, the eventual outcome of the EU referendum that resulted in the UK not just leaving but crashing out in a hard Brexit. She was also the subject of a video now deleted where she is seen being attacked for a laugh as it was then described. Both Banks and Wigmore have denied any involvement in its making. In the comment and analysis section of the Observer dated 19th of June 2022, Carol Carwalada, who finally expressed herself in her own words, the full article is repeated here. Aaron Banks almost crushed me in court. Instead, my quest for the facts was vindicated. The libel case brought by the Brexit campaigner took its toll, but the judgment offered personal relief and hope for the public interest journalism. Last week, after nearly six months' wait, I learned that I won the libel claim brought against me by Aaron Banks, the main founder of the Leave EU campaign. It had been a long, brutal haul, and the stress over the three years since it began has been extreme and not so much relieved as completely numb. I had been braced to lose, and I knew exactly what would happen if I had. The headlines I would face, the accusations that I was what my detractors have always claimed, a conspiracist, the social media shitstorm that would ensue. I had no doubt about how devastating it would be because every step of this litigation has felt as if it was aimed at trying to crush me. In large part, it succeeded. 
The lawsuit was directed at 24 words I used in a TED talk in 2019. But my history with banks goes back much further. The entire investigation that would uncover the Facebook Cambridge analytical scandal began in 2016 with a series of denials from the firm about his relationship with Leave EU. That investigation led not just to record fines against Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg being dragged before Congress, but to findings that banks leave EU campaign had broken both electoral and data laws. But it was our revelations in this paper about his relationship with the Russian government that hit a nerve. Banks reported me to the police. He accused me of computer hacking and then blackmail. And then a year later, he sued. Over these words that I told the audience at Ted's main conference in Vancouver, and I am not even going to get into the lies that Aaron Banks told about his covert relationship with the Russian government. I thought the meaning of this was all blindingly obvious, that he stole lies about his covert relationship with the Russian government. I was wrong. In November 2019, as part of the hearing to determine the legal meaning of the words I had used, Mrs. Justice Saini came up with his formulation not the one I thought the words had meant, not even the one Banks had advanced. He contended that I had said he had a secret relationship with the Russian government in relation to acceptance of foreign funding of electoral campaigns in breach of the law. The judge's ruling meant that I was going to be put on trial to defend the truth of words I never said. It felt like I stepped into the pages of a Kafka novel. The judge's ruling meant that I was going to be put on trial to defend the truth of a statement I never actually said or meant. When news broke that I had withdrawn the truth defense and would instead be defending it only on public interest, it sent the right-wing media system into meltdown. A tsunami of abusive articles, tweets, pronouncements from commentators and MPs, the low point of which was when the director of the Orwell Price rang me to say that, of course, they wouldn't be asking for my prize back as the spectator was demanding, but they've taken it sufficiently seriously to take legal advice. I don't know if it was because this smears against me stuck or if our entire press had been rendered mute in the face of banks' legal threats. But the near total silence around this case had been one of its most extraordinary aspects. One month before Russia invaded Ukraine as part of the legal action, documents disclosed by both me and Banks provided new insights about the relationship between the biggest fund of the Brexit campaign and the Kremlin in a multi-million pound trial against a journalist that 19 press freedom organizations said they believed was an abuse of law. Much of this went wholly unreported, save for the garden. Not a single mainstream news outlet covered any of it. I am writing this today because the law must change. We cannot and must not allow another journalist to go through this, not for the sake of their sanity, but for the health of our democracy. Because this is not democracy, it's oligarchy. And Banks versus Kalwalada needs to be the last time these obscene laws are used against a journalist in this way. What this case proves is that no journalist is safe. The judge, Mrs. Justice Dane, said that Banks' case against me was 
not a slap suit. That is a strategic lawsuit against public participation. She said his attempt to seek vindication through the proceedings against me was legitimate. She is correct because it couldn't be. There is no definition of a slap suit in UK law, which is why none of what I believe to be the abusive aspects of this case were entered into the evidence. They formed no part of my defense. One of the things I found most upsetting after the trial. However, the judge clearly states in her judgment that the observer had previously published a report containing essentially the same allegations and a very similar meaning. But Banks didn't sue the observer and he didn't sue Ted. He sued me. He presumably thought I was the weakest link. He was wrong, but only because an incredible sea of people rose up to support me. I relied on the generosity of my legal team and the kindness of strangers. 28,807 people who contributed to the astonishing sum of £819,835 to my two crowd funders. Even writing that makes me tear up. The ability to report on the Kremlin's involvement with leading individuals in the Brexit campaign would have been stifled forever. It would have been utterly impossible for me to defend myself without this support. It was only barely possible with it. But if I hadn't done so, some key facts about the political moment that changed a country forever, Brexit, would have been rewritten. The ability to report on the Kremlin's involvement with leading individuals in the Brexit campaign would have been stifled forever. The record would have been changed. This is because what the coverage of the case last week missed and what lay readers of the judgment probably wouldn't understand is that what an extraordinary document it is. This is because what the coverage of the case last week missed and what lay readers of the judgment probably wouldn't understand is what an extraordinary document it is. Not just for what it meant for all UK news outlets in terms of a public interest defence succeeding, but for a forensic examination of the facts of Banks' relationship with the Russian government that is on the record forever. I was blown away reading it. Mrs. Justice Stein painstakingly undertook her own examination of the accuracy of Banks' claim that his sole involvement with the Russians was a boozy six-hour lunch. That is what he claimed after the Electoral Commission announced it would investigate the true source of his £8 million donation to the Brexit campaign. And this is what she found. That statement was, she said, wholly inaccurate. She examined all the underlying documentation, including evidence newly revealed in the case, and concluded he had had at least four meetings including three lunches, she added. It will be wrong to expect a journalist to refrain from identifying such an inaccurate statement as a lie. But it doesn't end there, she noted. The four meetings on 6th of November 2015, 17th of November 2015, 19th of August 2016, and 18th of November 2016 were probably not the full extent of Mr. Banks' meetings with Russian officials. There were reasonable grounds to believe numerous other meetings occurred. She regards Banks' words in an email on 19th of January 2016 that he intended to pop in and see the ambassador as well were suggestive of a relationship in which he 
will visit the Russian ambassador with ease. She said the statement but Andy Wigmore, spokesman for the Leave EU campaign and Banks business partner, about why he retracted his claims that Banks was in Moscow in early 2016 as not credible, nor was Banks claimed that he received a document entitled Russian Gold Sector Consolidation Play from a British associate, not a Russian oligarch. Boris Johnson's government came to power on the coattails of Brexit. It had refused to investigate Russians' continuing attacks on Western democracy and our information systems. Johnson personally intervened to delay publication of the Intelligence and Security Committee's Russia's report. He continues to refuse its demand for an inquiry. The only information we have about Russia's efforts has come from U.S. investigators and a handful of journalists, and now this judgment. The personal, physical, psychological and professional toll of fighting this case has been profound. But it's not my win. It belongs to the legal team and the 28,807 people who stood alongside me. Banks will still decide to appeal against Mrs. Justice Stain's interpretation of the law, but not the facts. Whatever happens next, we have this now. We held the line. There were at least four meetings between the main funder of the Brexit campaign and the Russian government. There are reasonable grounds to believe there were many more. Fact. Banks' intention appears to have been to break this woman by any means so long as he gets a heat from her becoming chastened and fearful. He deliberately targeted Cadwallader because he saw her as a weak link, vulnerable and a woman to boot in the chain of investigations delving into his business operations. After the court's verdict, he patronizingly claimed that the verdict went against him because the judge felt sorry for her, perhaps because she didn't have his wealth, power and influence. He shamefully refused to acknowledge that the fear that she obviously felt and the damage caused to her health throughout the years of his legal action, due in no small part to his persistent and misogynistic provocations. Despite his continual denials that he was in any way responsible for it, the short joke, Video posted on social media where Cadwallader is the object of violent physical attack overlooks the fact it plays into the game plan of sad and insecure men who feel that much better about themselves when it's a woman on the receiving end of abuse. The government and the Conservative Party continue to insist that Brexit is the will of the people. When it had become clear that the Russian state and the Kremlin in general and Vladimir Putin in particular have been manipulation, the 2016 EU referendum with the aid of fifth col columnists in this country for many years, these instigators campaign in their own interest to split and fracture the EU to create division and at the same time create irreconcilable divisions within the UK. Russian money has poured into the UK since the fall of the Soviet Union. Oligarchs have bought their way into the top tiers of society, buying vast amounts of properties, acquiring titles and privileges, favours and influence, 
coercing with politicians and even being ennobled and elevated to the House of Lords. An entire industry has grown in the UK specifically to service the interests of the world's moneyed elite and particularly those from Russia. Why have we, the voters, taxpayers and general public of the UK, not been told that the money we pay to MI5, MI6, is not being used to pursue the mendacious threats to this country that have been perpetrated by these colluding with our enemies, namely Russia, to uncover the dealings of those who are using their power, money and influence to undermine and subvert the national interests of the UK. If the police and security services have not been investigating these individuals and organizations involved in business dealings with oligarchs and the government of a country at war or threatening war in Europe, then why not? If you've got anything to say in relation to what has been reported today, kindly leave your comments in the comment section. Thank you. And see you on our next episode. It's been Grace Offer for Raza, rising above shadows of abuse. Keep being safe and keep being positive. Bye for now. If you've got any questions or inquiries, you can get in touch rising above shadows of abuse at gmail.com or our social media platforms rising above shadows of abuse at TikTok rising above shadows of abuse, Twitter rising above abuse, YouTube rising above shadows of abuse.